Hello, Digital Cathedral family. Brace yourselves for an awe-inspiring journey on Don Keithley's podcast. Take a seat, find your comfort, and let's plunge into the heart of the divine. The November 19th message is The Recipe to Co-Create, Part 3, Unification for Cooperation. Good morning, Digital Cathedral family. Glad you're with me this morning. Hope you've had a good week and you're anticipating even a better week that is ahead of us. This morning, we're going to end our three-part series that we've been doing the last couple of weeks on the recipe of co-creating. The recipe for co-creating. If you, if you haven't looked at the, the two previous teachings to this one, I want you to, at the end, go back and look at number one, number two, and number three, because without the first two, this third one is not going to have the impact, and it's not going to accomplish what I feel needs to be accomplished. Actually, you should go back and look at all the teachings from the first Sunday of October, which there were five, uh, October 1, 8, 15, 22, and 29, uh, that led up to this. I was laying foundation and groundwork. So the, the last eight messages, including this one, are kind of like, and I explained it like a train where we're just connecting another car every week and we had an objective. And the end objective is what I want to get into this morning. This series has been the recipe to co-create. How to co-create. Uh, I'm not real wild about that word. Let me say, say three, four things before I actually get into the meat of the teaching this morning. I'm not real wild about that word create. I don't think I create anything. The Father is the creator, and he has created in six days. He created everything that would ever need to be created by any person that would ever walk the planet of the earth. What I do is I, I work with him to manifest from the invisible to the visible, from the unseen to the seen. And that's what we're going to uh, hone in on this morning. I want to put the last little bit on this so that when I'm done with the teaching this morning, I'm, you're going to be able to, be, to start practicing this immediately. This Sunday afternoon, uh, you can begin to put to, to work what I'm teaching. What I have taught the first two sessions were to get things straight in your mind. And now this is the practical boots on the ground, how you actually manifest it. Let me say this second of all, this in no way is the end-all be-all of learning how to be a co-manifester or a co-creator with the Father. We're just entering into this. I'm looking for more revelation as we continue uh, to come down this path. I think it's probably the most important function that we can that we can acquire as we manifest on the earth as sons and daughters of God. Jesus said the works that he did, we do in greater works than these. You look at the miracles of Jesus, and I might say this two or three times this morning, but a miracle is nothing other than bringing in from the unseen to the seen. It's making visible what was not visible before. And because we had no way to, to try to tap into that, we called it a miracle. So the revelation on co-creating with the Father is a revelation that I think is just beginning to break. And so I want to challenge you to begin to manifest. You've been doing it on some levels already. Now I'm going to make you conscious of it. And we're going to look at some ways that we can enhance the opportunities and the, the chances that we have to actually bring this thing into manifestation. As I said, this is a major stop on the manifestation of the sons of God. So when I'm done this morning, here's my challenge. I want you to put this to work. 
if the proof is in the pudding, if what I'm teaching you, uh, you find does not work, the Father may fine tune it, may adjust a little bit, do, have you do it a little bit different. But I think the basic scheme that I'm laying out is exactly what the Father encountered in the way that the Father brought into uh, visibility everything that you see. In fact, Romans, uh, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, the last part of that verse, Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3, let, let me just read the whole verse. Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3 says this, By faith we understand that the worlds were framed. That means they there was construction, right? When you frame a house, you begin to see the house. You begin to get an image of how the house is going to look. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word, and we're going to get into that uh, just about 20 minutes, 25 minutes from now, the importance of that word. So that things, here's what I wanted you to see, this last part of the third verse, Hebrews chapter 11, says, so that things which are seen were not made out of things which are visible. That opens up an entirely new dimension. Most of us have never even considered, never even thought about how to, how to bring into visibility that which was not visible. It's the way the Father worked. Your image and likeness of God. So I would say there's got to be at least some consideration that the way he did it should be the way that we also do it as sons and daughters. Paul put a stamp on this. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18, Paul in effect said the same thing as Hebrews 11, 3. He said, while we look not at the things that are seen. That right there, it just threw a monkey wrench in some of your, your lives because that's all you're accustomed to is looking at what you see, what you feel, what you hear, what your five senses feed. Paul said, don't do that. He said, we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. They're temporal. They fluctuate. They're not the same. They vary. He said, we look at the things that are not seen in this invisible world that God has given us every right to bring into visibility all that he has created as part of our inheritance because the things that are not seen are eternal. So here's what I want to do this morning. Here's the last part I want to drop into this. And man, I want you to listen to every word closely. Go back and listen to it again. Go back and listen to part one, part two, and then attach part three to it. What I want to do this morning is talk to you about four spirit connectors that you possess. You can utilize them, and you're, you're going to be conscious as I begin to tick these off. You're going to see how they affect the unseen as you utilize them. Things that you possess that bridge the invisible to the visible, the unseen to the seen, that moves uh, hope to faith. Do you remember I spent a whole lesson on talking to you about hope is always futuristic, but faith is always now. Faith is the substance of things hoped, past tense for, the evidence of things not seen. So again, he brings, he brings that, that, that faith realm into a dimension of not being visible. It is the substance of things hoped for. It is the evidence of things not seen. And that word hoped is past tense. Faith is what gives substance and evidence in this invisible world as we, as we function to bring it into visibility. So you, you actually you are the seen visible earth suit flesh-wearing person that houses an unseen spirit, the real you. 
the real you, the real me, is not what you're seeing on, on screen this morning. That's, that's a visible manifestation of who I am. The real me is the one that looks out from my eyes, from inside out. The real you is not who you appear to be. Might be why we are to know no man after the flesh. We are to know man spirit to spirit. The real you is not visible. It's a spirit, but it doesn't make it any less real. Your spirit functions in the kingdom. Your invisible spirit functions in the kingdom, which Jesus said is within you, but it's invisible. So now we've got this invisible spirit within us functioning in an invisible kingdom. And Jesus said, if you'd put all your focus on that kingdom, all these things would be added to you. All what things? Everything that you need for life and godliness. Peter said we already possess it, so now it's a, a, a situation of learning how to tap into it. And I think the time has come in the body of Christ, the people of God, to learn how to live the abundant life that Jesus promised us, not by begging, pleading, bawling, and squalling to God to come do something for me, but for us to learn how to manifest ourself. You can create out of the kingdom where all things are yours through spirit connectors. And again, let me put the caveat on creating. I'm not a, I, I don't create anything. There's one source of all creation. It's the Father. But he has taught us some ways that we can co-work with him to bring out of unseen, invisible, into seen visible, those things that we need, those things that we desire, that's going to make our life a whole lot better. So I'm gonna give you four connectors this morning. These are connectors the Father utilized. These are connectors that Jesus utilized. The Father brought forth everything that he brought forth by utilization of these connectors that Hebrews 11.3 says, everything that you see was not made from what you see. Everything you see was made by what you don't see. Jesus used the same connectors, and we call them a miracle. Jesus knew how to go into the invisible. He knew how to walk in two dimensions at one time. I think I've done a whole teaching on that. That's where, that's where the Father's drawing us into where we're living in two dimensions at one time. It's kind of like where Jesus prayed, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's the merging of two realms. So what I'm talking about actually is a manifestation of the merging of two realms. And we're at the point now where I think in our development as sons and daughters of God, we can begin to at least acknowledge, at least, at least consider that he has given us the ability and the charge and the encouragement to go ahead and begin to create. So these connectors, they, they connect uh, systematically one to the next. There's a beginning point and there's an end point. And so I'm going to lay these out for you. And, and then at the end, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a testimony of how I have utilized these, how I came into this, how I came into it. It was totally by accident. How the Father began to unveil and reveal, at least in my life, this is how I am to operate. So creating is simply bringing what you cannot see into the place of where you can see it. So let me say this. You're, you're a co-manifester. You're not the creator. 
And I keep saying that because there's so much junk flying around right now that makes us think that we are the creator. You're not the creator. There is only one ultimate source of all things, and you're not it. Your, your image and likeness, you're partaker of divine nature, you're a chip off the old block, and in that position, the Father has said, I want you to begin to come into everything that I designed from the very beginning for you to have. <clears throat> the Father and the Son and you begin this creative process. I'm four connectors this morning. It all begins the same way. Everything begins with a thought. The first connector is a thought. You can't see a thought. You cannot, you cannot put your hand on a thought. It's invisible. And yet a thought makes you fully aware of that thought that is invisible and you cannot see. So the thought is this. The first step in manifesting from invisible to visible is this. A thought. What is it that you desire? The Father expressed that in Genesis chapter 1. Here was his thought. Let us make man in our image. Let us make man in our image. Jesus got the thought. First miracle Jesus did. Remember, he was at a he was at a wedding celebration. They ran out of wine. It wasn't grape juice, y'all. It was wine. They went to Jesus. Said Jesus, we need we need to do this. So the thought of Jesus was get the water pots and fill it with water. That was the thought. That's the initial stage. That's the thought. The key we see in in the. The, the thought of the Father at creation and in Jesus in every miracle. Fed 20,000 people. So, okay, get him to sit down. He's, he's got a thought. This is how we're going to hone in on this. The key is to see that the thought was precise. And I want you to see the Father's thought was precise. Let us make man in our image and our likeness. Jesus, fill the water pots. It was, it was precisely the thing that they desired. Now, this is so important that, you, that every thought that pops into your head, you don't, you don't need to start this process. The effective thoughts that come to you for creation are the thoughts that come to you and arise from the mind of Christ, which you possess. Paul looked at Jesus and he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You have the mind of Christ. You can think divine thoughts. You, you know when something's coming through your own five physical senses and you're panicked and you're trying to make something happen, or you know when there is a thought of inspiration. And I'm going to nail this down for you. Just trust the process this morning. Trust this process as I walk you through it. If the thought I'll tell you this, if the thought ain't right, and that's not good English, but you understand what I'm saying, if the thought ain't right, then what you're going to eventually manifest is not right. You want that thought to be a thought that is inspired by the Christ that is within. The thoughts that we have to create should be fed by the mind of Christ. See, there's one mind. There's one mind, the mind of Christ. You possess it. We're learning to tap it. We're learning to hear it. Paul said, if what comes into your mind is contrary to what you know the Father to be or the way that Jesus manifested the Father, if you know that thought is contrary, he said, get rid of it. Don't let it grow. For example, if the thought that you get 
arises out of fear, you don't want to create fear, so you don't want to start to process. If the thought is insecurity or separation, doubt, uh, guilt, condemnation, you don't want to produce those things. The thoughts that, that you get that are from him, are usually, they'll be focused on what he wants you to do. I've spent lesson after lesson teaching you to eat from the tree of life, not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the thought that comes to you from the tree of life and you respond to it. The Father reveals and says, this is what I need. This is, what I, this is the way. This is how I want you to go. You shut off the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, things that come to you through your five physical senses. The thing that got Adam in great difficulty is he stopped listening to the tree of life and he went over here and decided to do what he thought was good. It was one too many hoes. It was not God. Thoughts that come to you that have the potential to create good for your life come from one of two sources. Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 27, he said, my sheep hear my voice. Some of the biggest persuading I've had to do with people is to tell them they hear his voice. They say, no, I don't. I've never heard his voice. Yes, you hear his voice. There might be static that stops you from hearing it, but you need to begin to say, I, I hear his voice. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16, it says very specifically that we have the mind of Christ. As you've developed spiritually, you have come to a place where I know that you understand that you and the Father are one. You're in union together. There's no separation, which means that the thoughts that you have that are not from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil don't produce fear, doubt, insecurity, condemnation, all that mess. The thoughts that you get from Him are your thoughts, and your thoughts are His thoughts. Every creation, everything begins with a thought. Are you with me? I'm, I'm going to illustrate this for you in just a few minutes. Make the creative thought specific. Make it specific. It's not just that you want a new car. What kind of new car do you want? Do you want a four-door, two-door? Uh, you want a convertible? I, I've done this. I've done this with a little Corvette that I have. It's an old one. It's 2005. But the thought came to me, and I'm only going to take it this far because I'm not going to tell you how it all transpired. thought came to me. Father said, if you really like a Corvette, he said, there's plenty. I'll give you a Corvette. So I thought, I want, I want a black one. I want a convertible. I want one that's low mileage. I knew my budget. I, I, the thought that I had, it had to fit into this. Now, I'll tell you the end story. He led me to, to a 2005 Corvette that only had 14,000 miles on it, and it fit my budget. So, but, I, but the point I want to make right now in this part of the teaching is that the thought was specific. I didn't say, oh, I want any old Corvette. I didn't say, I just want any old car. You want a specific thought. You want to make it. When God said, let us make man, he was specific in what he was saying. Make the creative thought specific, exact, define it. It's a desire that you're not going to surrender. 
It's the seed that will eventually produce. And I want you to see it that way. The thought is the seed that will eventually produce. It's your hope. It's still futuristic. It's still futuristic. The thought, once you, once you get the thought specific, the thought then is passed to the second connector from the visible to the invisible, from what you see to what you don't see, which is your imagination. Imagination is so important. Imagination is a powerful tool. Imagination begins now to, to see the, the, the exact picture of what you desire. It's the evidence of what you can't see. This is, this is the connector where all things are possible. I tell you, in your imagination, there's no limits to what the imagination can develop. This, this is probably the place where the divine image and likeness of God really begins to function within you. Right? The, the, the father thought this. The father thought, Genesis, and I'm going to read it just a minute because I want you to see he had the thought and then it, it, it was in his imagination before it ever manifested. All right? The father said, let us make man. And in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, he began to use his imagination. He said, let us make man. Now he begins to use his imagination. He wants to see that man. Imagination sees it. It sees the, the perfected picture. It's, it's like putting a, a painting on a canvas. You want, you want every detail. You want it to be exactly as you want. And your imagination is, is where that develops. He said, let us make man. That was the thought. Now he begins to develop it. He said, let's make him in our image and likeness. And let's let him have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds, over everything. So God created man in his own image and his likeness. He created him male and female. He's imagining this. In verse 28, he blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it. He's, he's still, he's getting this all worked out in his imagination. Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, verse 27 and 28. Now let me tell you something. That did not manifest until the second chapter, the fifth verse. Now, some of you maybe have a theology because there's, you know, we've all known there's been two accounts of creation. We couldn't fit it together. I'm fitting it together for you. Genesis chapter one, God got the thought and got the imagination. So in Genesis chapter two and verse five, it says, I'm sorry, verse seven. And God formed man out of the dust of the ground. No, wait a minute. I just thought he created him back in Genesis chapter 1. No, that was God imagining. He actually did the creation in chapter 2, verse 7. And, and the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living being. Now, I can I'm prove that for you. I, I, I'd probably better take the time. Look, I'm, I'm going to go till I'm done this morning, so I might run a little over time. It says, and God blessed the seventh day, sanctified, rested. This is the history of the heavens created in the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth. Before any plant of the field was in the earth, and before any herb of the field was grown, for the Lord God had, 
had not caused it to rain on the earth, and there was no man to fill the ground. So then God creates him in verse 7. Now, I'm, um, in verse 19, he says, Out of the ground, the Lord God formed every beast. I thought he just said over here, let him have dominion. I thought he created that. No, in chapter 1, he's using his imagination. In verses 19, I'm not going to spend time to go through it. I just want you to see in verses 19 and 20 of chapter 2, there actually came a full manifestation of what the father thought and imagined, begin to imagine, in chapter in chapter 1. The, fa the fastest connection you have to the unlimited, to the invisible, to that which you cannot see is your imagination. You can go there quickly, man. God's imagination filled in the blanks that the thought initiated. His imagination enabled him to see that thought that he desired actually begin to take form and substance. Still could not see it. The mind of Christ gives you the thought, and then you begin to exercise your imagination to see it. You paint it as clearly as you can. Now, I separate the thought and the imagination because the function is different. The thought is the, is the seed. It's the origination. You know, if you're going to plant corn, you want corn seed. If you're going to plant wheat, you want wheat. You want a hybrid seed. And the thought that is specific and directed is hybrid. Then it comes into the imagination. The imagination puts flesh on the skeleton. The thought is the skeleton. It, it paints the full picture. The imagination paints the full picture. Imagination draws the creative thought in detail. It draws it in detail. Imagine exercises emotion. Imagination says, how am I going to feel when this really comes about? How am I going to feel when I'm sitting in, in, in that Corvette seat? How's it going to feel as I drive that car down the street? How's it going to feel? See, my thought was I wanted a convertible. So I saw the black convertible, and I began to think that what that car looks like, how it's going to be on the interior, what kind of wheels uh, I like chrome wheels. What kind of wheels was it going to have? How was it going to feel when I put the top down, drive down the street, and the wind blows through my hair? That painted the picture of what I actually desired. See, imagination makes it real. I drove that Corvette around <laughs> the streets of my subdivision and to the gym and to the store before I ever saw it manifested. Before it ever moved from the invisible to the visible. It was in the invisible. I saw it. I felt it. I perceived it. I knew it. See, it receives it now. Hebrews 11.1 1 says that faith is the substance. And it is the evidence that draw, it's drawn in the imagination of what you don't see. Does that make it any less real? Was that Corvette any less real because I didn't have the metal sitting in front of me? Absolutely not. Faith is the confidence that what you desire will happen. Faith is, is the confidence that what was placed in you by the mind of Christ and began to be developed in your imagination will actually take place. It's 
It's the function of a focused attention. And the, and the clearer you can paint it, the better that it is. You know, don't, don't rush this stuff. Take your time with it. Make sure the, my, the thought that comes to you is not just a whim. It's going to create something you really don't want. Take time of your imagination to, to make that, that picture as visible and as clear as you can. Because your imagination is what gives it substance. It's what gives it evidence. The entire creative process rests as it did with the Father, as it did with Jesus. It rests on the thought and the imagination. All the Father created originated in thought. Genesis 1 was developed in his imagination before it ever came to fruition. See, imagination is the ability to form a mental image that is not perceived by the senses. I don't need the evidence of my senses when I'm drawing the imagination. In your, in your imagination, I'll tell you what, doubt and fear will try to come to abort the creation. It'll try to draw a negative picture. It'll it, your imagination will sprout and say, who do you think you are to do this? Here, this is going to be a mess. You don't actually know what you're getting yourself into. That's the warfare. 2 Corinthians chapter uh, 10 and verse 5. Let me read that for you. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. See, we, we've made warfare stuff that it has nothing to do with. I'll tell you exactly what warfare is. 2 Corinthians chapter 10. Let me just... Get over there as fast as I can go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 5 says this, Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. The knowledge of God is what came to you through the mind of Christ, that thought that you desire, that you need, that's important to you. If, it's, if anything is important to you, it's important to the Father. Don't you ever forget that. Anything that's important to you is important to the Father. So the thought that you begin to think is an important thought. It's an important thought that came to you from the Father. Casting down arguments. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ or bring it into obedience to the mind of Christ. The thought set or conceived the creation. That's what the thought did. It conceived it. It was seed form. Imagination takes that conception and begins to form it, begins to develop it. I view, when, I, when I'm working in imagination, I view it like a potter sitting at the wheel. You know how a potter sits there and he's got the wheel going and he keeps working with that clay and he keeps molding it and forming it until it's just exactly like he wants it. All right? He keeps shaping it, reshaping it. And when the desired creation has shape and has form, when you feel the emotion of it, you see the manifestation of it, you've got it drawn out perfectly, then it passes from the imagination off into your heart. Your heart is the third connector. You can't, you can't see the heart except the blood pumper. You can see a blood pumper, but when we talk about the heart, we're talking about the very essence the inner being of man, the essence of man. The heart of man is inner man. It's, it's the womb of creation. The thought came, 
precise, exact. Imagination developed it, painted it, put it on the potter's wheel, put it on the canvas and drew it exactly as, and then it put it into the heart to grow, to develop. The heart, see, the heart will grow whatever you put in there. That's why I was so specific about the thought and the imagination being specific in exactly what you want and let it develop, let it crock pot, let it, let it form, don't be fast. Because when you drop that baby into the heart, it's gonna grow. It's gonna mature. It's going, it's going to enlarge. The heart makes and produces whatever goes into there. Mark 11, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Jesus, you know, when you really start looking at what we are able to do as co-manifestors, bringing from the invisible to visible, unseen to the seen. Mark eleven twenty three. you start seeing scriptures in a way you never saw them before. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that the things which he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Now, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna get to the, the, the says part yet. I wanna get into the heart. You don't doubt in your heart. Again, there, there might try to, come some abortions. There might come things that try to weed that thing out. In Mark, in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 4, Jesus talks about a field and putting seed into the field. See, the, the thought and imagination, they're like seed that has now been deposited into the heart. And Jesus said that when that seed goes in the ground, it'll grow whatever you put there. But there are weeds that try to come up. And Jesus mentioned four specific uh, things that try to choke uh, what, what's in your heart from growing. Try to stop it from growing. First thing he said was tribulations. That's, that's distress. That's pressure. That's when things don't look good. Are you going to hold to the thought and the imagination when persecution and distress comes? When things aren't visibly going exactly as you thought they should go, are you going to let it go and say, well, I guess there was nothing to it? No. When that thing is planted firmly, you've got to know that tribulation is trying to choke it out. He said persecution. Persecution was the second one. That's pushback from people. You're going to encounter negativity. You're going to encounter people that will tell you, look, this is, this is not real. You don't need to do this. This is off base. They're going to try to talk you out of it. Cares of the world, third thing Jesus said in Mark 4, that tries to, to, to stop the productivity of what you want to manifest. That's distraction. Cares of the world, distractions. Things are going to try to pull you here, pull you there, try to come up with another priority, try to, you know, all kinds of distractions. And the fourth thing he said was the desire for other things. You lose your focus. You, you move over and say, I got something, this has jumped up in front of me. We're so adept at putting out the fires that are in front of us that we lose sometimes the, the focused attention that we had on what the mind of Christ gave us, what our, what our imagination printed and, and painted and drawn precisely, and it's down in the heart now, and all of a sudden we lose attention on it. Those, you can't let go of things. The heart holds the imagination, the picture that the imagination has drawn, and it crockpots it. You know I use that expression a lot. 
It crockpots. It meditates. You think about it. it. It grows that baby to full term. Proverbs chapter 4. Proverbs chapter 4. Let's, the, the wisest man that ever lived uh, said something here that I think is, I think is really uh, important. I'm going to take my time to get over there because I, I want to read this for you because we got this thing down in the heart now and, and we're, we're starting to see it mature. We're convinced that it's going to go. We haven't let go of it. We haven't let cares or persecutions or other things uh, try to destroy it. And so over here in Proverbs chapter 4, in verse 23, it says this, keep your heart with all diligence. That means you, you put a watchman on that heart. Um, in one place, Paul said, let the peace of God that passes all understanding guard your mind and heart. That, that word, uh, let the peace of God stand over you is the word umpire. It means, no, 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 you can't come in, you're out. You can't come in. I'm not allowing it. Keep your heart with all diligence. Now check this out. For out of it springs the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it flows the issues. Life is going to come out of what is grown and being produced in your heart. The issues are limitations and boundaries. Your heart's going to set a limitation. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it flows the issues, the boundaries, the limits, the parameters, everything that the imagination has planted. The heart carries the baby. If I can say it this way, the heart carries the baby of imagination until the time of birth. Now this, in this time, how are you going to know when the baby's ready to birth? This is extremely important. The baby's ready to birth when you know that you know that you know that you know that you got it. That it's yours. That it belongs to you. See, the thought was the hope. The imagination drew the picture. The heart let it grow to, to develop. Every time that I have walked through this, and I'm just in a minute going to tell you how I've walked through this, there was a time that I knew that I knew that I knew it was done. I had it. I had it. It, might, it wasn't evidenced. It wasn't sitting in front of me, but it was done. Now, at that point then, the, the fourth connector is this, the words of your mouth. You can't see words. You can hear them, but you can't see words. I've given you four connectors that you cannot see. You might see some evidence of them, but you can't see them themselves. It's out of the abundance, the overflow of what the heart has now carried to full term, to maturity, that the mouth now begins to speak. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Let me get my right Bible here. Matthew chapter 12 and verse 34. Matthew chapter 12, verse 34. Jesus said this. He says, how can you, being evil, speak good things? That's fine. I'm going to leave that set. Here's the point. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. What you've grown in your heart, and it comes to maturity, and you know that you know that you know, then you speak it. 
There's tremendous power in the words that you speak. Your words carry a creative force. Words are like, um, in this process, and this is a visualization the Father gave me. He said, it's like shaking a can of Coke or a bottle of Coke. You ever done that? And then you unscrew the top, it explodes. The words are the explosion of what has developed fully within the heart. Words come as you know that you know that you know. And the words that you speak when you know that you know that you know, they are powerful words. The more heart conviction you have, the more powerful the words will be. Listen very, listen very closely. You don't have to speak the words to other people. You don't have to tell. In fact, I don't tell people. There's times I haven't even told my wife. You keep it. But that doesn't mean you don't speak words. Again, Psalm chapter 1. Psalm chapter 1. Man, I'm, 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 I'm backing this baby up and giving you a ton this morning. Psalm chapter 1, verse 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the word, the law, the word of the Lord. And in that word he meditates. That means he ponders, he talks to himself. He talks to himself. Most of the words that I release in this process, I'm speaking to myself. I, I say things, I, I see it, I got it. Man, it's there, it's a done deal. I'm excited. I know this is gonna happen. All right? I talk to myself. I don't go to somebody else and say, you know what, I've had this thought and I've drawn a picture and I've got it. I, I, I really believe this, you know what they're gonna say? I'm not so sure. I've never seen it like that before. They're going to they're gonna be some of those weeds that are in the heart, the, the persecution. Uh, people talk, trying to make you see, man, you, you missed it on this one. He meditates day and night. And when he does that, he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit, its manifestation, its visibility, its seeingness, if I can use that word whose leaf shall not wither, and whatever he does, whatever he does is going to prosper. So when you meditate, you speak to yourself. It's self-talk. And when that self-talk comes out of a heart of conviction, out of a heart of maturity, that that baby has grown, grown full term, it's powerful. It's strong. All right, let me review real quick. Let me review. Thoughts and imaginations work together, right? The thought conceives it, the imagination develops it. The heart and words work together. The heart matures it, and at full term, the words birth it. It releases it. Now, I can't tell you why this happens or why this works. I can see the pattern with the Father. I can see the pattern with Jesus and all of the miracles. And all I know is this, you have every right, and I spent five weeks talking to you about you're a son, gives you authority, the Christ that is within you. I spent five weeks in October to bring you up to these three, three lessons. These eight teachings might be some of the most important things I've ever done in well over 50 years of ministry. You're a manifester, and you have been creating manifesting and didn't realize it. Some of us have been very negative, but now we're beginning to see where the focus is. What do you desire? What do you really desire? What's the thought? What's the imagination? How are you going to feel when it actually arrives? Thoughts, 
imagination, heart development, release with words. Try it. Now let me just, I've got just a few minutes, let me just tell you uh, how this developed in my life. <clears throat> Some of you have heard this testimony. Some of you, have, maybe many of you have not. I've utilized this five or six times when I've had what I felt was the mind of, of Christ drop the thought. First time was about four years ago. I went for my annual physical. Doctor gave me an EKG, which he does every year. Then he comes back in and says, y'all, everything looks good. This time he came back in and said, I think you got a problem. There's an irregularity here. I'm sending you to a heart specialist. I'm not gonna go through all the details. I'm just gonna outline it. So I went to the, to the heart specialist. He looked at, gave me some tests. He said, I'm sure you got a blockage. Now that did not excite me because I've never even spent one night in the hospital. He said, I'm going to schedule, and um, if I remember right, it's called a nuclear stress test. It's where they shoot dye through your veins and they can see where the blockage is. He said, I'm going to schedule that for you. I went home and the thought came to me and I knew, I knew that I knew it was God speaking. He said, you don't have to have mess with this heart problem. I said, okay. He said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to, I want you to photocopy a heart, a healthy heart, off of the internet. I want you to put it up on the wall in front of you, in front of your work desk, in front of where you study, put it up there and look at it and say, that's my heart. My heart functions to the perfection that God created it to function, and I forbid any malfunction. And I painted that picture of a perfect heart. How would I feel when my heart's perfect? The energy, the power, the strength. I had no symptoms, but I'm thinking, I'm going to be better. I'm going to be stronger, be more youthful than I've ever been. Here's, I see that heart pumping blood. I see it passing through every oracle, every ventricle, every vein, every artery. I see it passing. It's perfect. That heart is perfect. And there came a day, it was, it was a couple of weeks before my my uh, nuclear stress test. And there was a day, uh, maybe four days, five days before I went in, that I knew that I knew that I knew. My heart was good, man. It, it was functioning to the perfection that God created to function. And there ain't no malfunction in this man's heart. So I went in and I did the nuclear stress test. And I, I'm, going, I'm speeding the procedure up. After the test, he called my wife and I into his office. He put the thing up on there. He said, right there, see there, right there is the blockage. It's what we call the widow maker. Well, that's encouraging, the widow maker. I looked at my wife and I, I hadn't told her what I'd been doing. He said, it's the widow makers. That's the worst possible blockage you can have. And he said, it looks like it's 100%. You have, there is no, nothing coming through. But he said, I want to show you something. He said, look at this. He said, you have grown some arteries and veins around the blockage. He said, you have had a natural bypass and you have a great flow of blood into your heart. No problem whatsoever. Now, I didn't know how the answer was going to come. I just knew that my heart was fine and it would be fine. He said, That's, he said I've heard about it. He said, but look at that. He said, perfect bypass. He said, I think we should still take the blockage out. So he scheduled me for, I think it's called an angiogram where they go up through your groin and with a camera and they find where the blockage is and, and they bust through it. Well, I went in, they did that and I'm laying on the table, I'm awake. And he tells me, he said, I can't, I can't. He said, it's in a bad spot, dangerous spot. He said, I'm not, I, I'm not even gonna attempt to take it out. He said, because it could cause complications. 
So to this day, four years later, he would say, I don't think I got the blockage anymore. Because the, the last, I go to the cardiologist every six months. The last two times I went in, I did an EKG and he goes, Man, I can't believe this. He said, look, everything looks perfect, looks good. But of course, he still, I still go back in every six months. So I'm fixing, as we say in Texas, maybe to get an EKG from a neutral site because I don't think I have any more blockage at all. He said, that blockage you've got has been building for years. It's like concrete. He said, that's why we can't get it out. Now, that, I went through that entire process is that I've told you today. I hit those connectors. The Father showed them to me. It starts with the thought, getting the mind of Christ. It comes to your imagination where you paint the picture. You see it perfectly. You begin to get the reality of it, how you feel, the substance of what you hope for, the evidence of things not seen. And then you drop that baby into the heart and let it crock pot, let it develop, let it grow, let it mature. And when you know that you know that you know that you know, you speak the creative word. Same thing worked when we retired and we wanted to move to the country. And I, I, I wanted a house, but I, I knew exactly what I wanted. I wanted one that had this kind of study in for me before I put my books up and, and I, I, all the features. And I had a very limited budget. I mean, come on, I've been a pastor all my life. I did not have oodles of money. Took about a year and a half, but I drew it in my imagination. I pictured it. I got it settled. And I knew that I knew that I knew that at some point I was going to get the house. It was mine. When we pulled up in front of this house, I go, that's it. That's the one right there. Same process worked when I wanted to write books. I'd never written a book in my life. Didn't know how to do it. But I knew I was going to write books. I had the thought. The father said, you need to get this stuff in print. Uh imagined it. I saw it. I saw the book covers. It went into my heart. It matured. And one day, Robin Smith called me. She was starting the Writer Society, and she wanted to do some books for me. And she's walked through the process and done a great job. I now have six books, and by the time you see this, the seventh book will be out on Amazon. Streams of income. When I retired, I needed some streams of income. The I saw the, the, the abundance, I saw the flow, and the Father has been faithful to make, meet all of my needs. Now, the one that is really recent, this might not be a big deal to you, but it's a huge do, deal to me. In 1995, follow me, 1995, in this July of 95, remember it well, I walked out from a friend's house and my nose was extremely stuffy. You know, allergies or whatever. So I stopped at a 7-Eleven and got some nasal spray. Shot it in. Worked perfect. Next day, I noticed they're stuffy again. I got the nasal spray. Shot it, and it was fine. After about a week, I noticed that I was using this nasal spray all the time, and I was becoming dependent on nasal spray. Sounds crazy, but it was true. I think it's what they called a rebound action. I, I ended up with nasal spray by my, by my recliner, one in the car, one in my briefcase, one in the office, one by my bed. And this went on from 1995 until 2023. I'll let you do the math. The thought dropped. I never had the thought before. The thought dropped into my mind. You don't need to be addicted to that nasal spray. So I dropped that. I let that thought be precise that I, I'm not taking any more Sinex. I, I would, was buying the cheapest nasal spray I could get at Kroger because I was using so much. 
So I begin, I had the thought, okay, I don't need to do this. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna be free of that. That was a thought. I let, I let my imagination develop. How would I feel when I'm uh, walking around all day and I can breathe free without all that congestion, have to breathe out my mouth? I let it go into my heart. And it was a day that I knew that I knew that I knew that I was free from nasal spray. Long story short, I've been free now for six months, five months, something like that. And I could, I breathe out my nose now, no problem. Now I'm working on one right now. That's one, two, three, four. That, that's five instances that I can give you testimony that I've done just exactly what I've been teaching you now based on the five Sundays in October where I laid the foundation. You deserve it. This is your place. This is your heritage, your inheritance. And then these three lessons that I've walked you through accumulating in this one I've got one working right now, and I'm not going to share it because it's not at the point used for words, but it's, it's in my imagination right now. I'm painting the picture, and believe me, it's going, to, it's going to impact millions of people. It's bigger than anything I've ever, ever thought about doing. And it started with a thought. Started with a thought. And there it goes. All right. I think that's enough for this morning. I'm fi about 52 minutes in, a little bit longer this morning. Forgive me, but I wanted to get this down, and I want to challenge you. Look, don't let this don't let this get away from you. Spend some time in meditation. Get some thoughts that the Father would say about you, what you need, what you desire. You have the mind of Christ. You have an imagination. You have a heart to grow and develop, and you have words that you can release. God bless you. Thank you for being with me. We'll continue next week. I, I may may do something a little bit related to this next week. I'm not sure yet. I'll see what the Father has to say. But we're going to keep traveling. Remember, remember the goal. We're coming to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And you will not be at the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ until you can bring that which is unseen, invisible, into the visible, seen dimension. And I'm telling you, as we develop this, as it gets stronger and better and more crystallized, it's going to impact our world, our culture, like nothing else ever has. See you next time at the Digital Cathedral. God bless. Have a powerful week. Thanks for lending us your ears. Just a quick reminder. Our Digital Cathedral on YouTube gives subscribers the privilege of a front row seat every week. It's a place where our collective excitement amplifies. If you're ready to give, go to donkeithley.com and click on Donate. Your continuous support propels our growth, and for that, we're immensely grateful. Don't forget to hit that follow button and spread the love by sharing this life-giving message with your friends. Have a week filled with blessings and divine encounters. Until next time, stay in grace.